0: Well, we've been in this series called uh, "Very Good," uh, and I want to kind of talk about that and wrap that up in just a minute. But before we do, I do want to touch on a, a couple uh, of things. Uh, this is my second Sunday preaching live, which means next Sunday I'll be here via video because I will be in the hospital. Uh, so, if you'd like to be a part of the live studio audience when we record that uh, tomorrow at seven o'clock, right here uh, is where we'll do that. It's always fun to have some real people as opposed to preaching to a camera, uh, kind of a thing. And I invite you to come and be a part of that. And then the The second thing I want to say is I really do want to encourage you to volunteer. I really believe volunteering will change your life. I've watched this happen over and over and over and over again. There's something powerful about getting engaged in volunteering. Uh, One of the things that came up recently I just want to mention, you do not have to volunteer every single Sunday, okay? Uh, This is not like a life sentence sort of a deal, Uh, but there are places where you can get involved and get connected, and uh, we're really committed to finding something that fits and and works for you. So uh, check out the volunteering uh, back there. Uh, So this series is very good uh, that we've Been in for quite a while. Uh, This is the appropriate time, really, to kind of wrap it up is at Pentecost. Uh, Because there's this unique thing that comes together uh, with volunteering and Pentecost uh, in in the kind of the life of of the spirit here. Can we we click the next slide there for just a second? I think my things all of a sudden decided to not play nice. Okay, there we go. Uh, The good life and and Pentecost. Um, And and the good life is something I think we all understand and we want and we're glad for it. Pentecost is like the other end of it. In fact, One of the things, sorry, just going to get the real raw things. One of the things I love about Scripture. Is there a lot of weird in scripture? Have you noticed? You know, there's just, there's a lot of weird in there. Uh, and, and that's fun. And Pentecost is like some of the weirdest uh, sort of stuff. And if you grew up in the church, you read this story like this happens every day, right? You know, it's, it's, it's crazy stuff. Uh, but I want to kind of walk through it a little bit. And then we're going to talk about it and how it applies to the, uh, to the very good uh, life. So, you know, this thing, this Pentecost kind of gets warmed up with Jesus has been crucified. And then he starts showing up. Okay, so you all take that real casually, but tell me what happens in a movie when dead people start showing up again. I'm telling you, for, for people who have not been raised in the church, our stories are really kind of strange, and so Jesus starts showing up and starts giving them instructions, and then, and then Jesus goes back to heaven, and he tells them to wait, you know, so they got this guy going up, and, and, and it's just, there's a lot of weird just to, to start this thing out with to begin with, and then Acts chapter 2, it gets weirder still, uh, and so I want us to, to read this together. Uh, Acts 2 says, when the day of Pentecost came, Pentecost was a Jewish holiday, uh, they were all together in one place. So all of the disciples that haven't abandoned him are together. Uh, some people guess around 120, you know, we don't really know exactly, but there's a bunch of them uh, together and they're, they're probably praying together. And then suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now catch this, they are in a closed room with closed windows and closed doors because they're afraid of the Jews. And all of a sudden, there's a wind blowing around in there, okay? So you get this? we have People are seeing dead people. Now the wind is blowing where there is no wind to blow, you know, kind of a thing. Things are rattling around. Uh, and, and then, it, it, if it couldn't get any weirder, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest on each other. So there's like one big tongue of fire, and then it goes and it rests on the top uh, of each one of them. I'm telling you, weird, folks. It's just, it's a strange kind of story for us. And then it goes on, uh, and all of them were filled, say filled, filled, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And so the last part of this is all of a sudden they speak languages they don't learn, they don't know. And so we have this wild and crazy story of of how the Holy Spirit comes in that moment to be a part of of these disciples' lives. And I I think we need to realize that this is is a big thing. When when God comes, when God inhabits, it goes way beyond the realm of normal stuff and normal experience. And and, and often, this is why every time Jesus shows up or an angel shows up, they always start out with, Do not be afraid, right? Because this is strange stuff where God's moving when this happens. And so, you know the rest of the story. They kind of pour out of that place and onto the streets and they start uh, street preaching and and, uh, the Spirit has suspended the language barrier. And so, uh, they are speaking and people are hearing in their own own language, you know. And so, uh, it records, if you read the rest of it, the names of all the places from all over the world with all these different languages. And this actually makes a lot of sense. If you've ever spent very much time in a country where you don't speak the language you know, but, uh, the, but the people there, uh, and maybe you don't have anybody else with you. Um, I, w- I got an opportunity to spend a little over a week in Brazil, and I wasn't with another team. I was just staying in the home of a family that some of them spoke both English, and, but, but not much. For the most part, I was kind of on my own. And this really strange thing happened after about four or five days. If, like, I'm in a market and I hear somebody speaking English, I'm like, ooh, you know. <laughs> English. I you know, want to talk to them. And so you, that's exactly what happened here. They hear this in their own language, and so all of a sudden they start come rushing into this, and they tell them the story of Jesus, and 3,000 people are saved, and 3,000 people are baptized. That is a lot of water, folks. And, and, and it's just, it's crazy what happens. And all of a sudden, it's the birth of the church, and from there, the gospel of Jesus Christ goes around the world uh, from that day uh, un- until this. And so there's so many good things. I, w- I would love to just preach about all of those. But, you guys don't want to stay here till 5 o'clock, and so uh, I think I'll just kind of focus in on one, and that's found in verse 2-4. It says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Greek, the verbs are really, really important. So when we think of the word filled, we tend to think of something that's filled up. Uh, that, that, and, and certainly that idea of some, a container that you put stuff in until it's full is a part of this, but the, the word in the original language is actually much richer than that. Not only does it have the idea of being filled, but it carries the idea of being fulfilled. The idea of fulfilled prophecy, prophecy the idea of fulfilled prophecy, purpose. That that this vessel exists not just to hold any old thing, but this vessel that is the disciples, that is you and me, exists for the purpose of holding the Holy Spirit, of containing it. And the idea that the vessel itself is somehow changed by this interaction in which it is filled with the Spirit. It is fulfilled. And so there's this really rich image in this one word of this idea of, of they have been filled. This is their whole purpose in life was to be filled with the Spirit and be in connection with the Spirit. And and in so doing, they have been changed into something new. And and so if I could kind of wrap that story up, uh, I would say it this way. You and I are spiritual beings built for the purpose of union with the living God. You are a spiritual being. You you, you are a physical being for sure. Just smash your thumb with a hammer, you'll discover you're a physical being, okay? You you are a mental, psychological being, you know. Any of you ever had a bad day, you know? It's like, yeah, you know. But you are also a spiritual being. And that part is gonna gonna live forever. Thank goodness our bodies aren't gonna live forever because they just keep breaking down and breaking down. One day we get the new one and that lives forever. But, but you are a spiritual being. And not only that, but because you are a spiritual being, your purpose, the purpose of your spirituality is to be in union with the living God. Yeah, more you should have said amen because that's really cool. You were built for union, for, for connection with the, with the living God. And, and, and there's some language here that's so important. This is actually kind of covenant language. You know, when we have the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, and then we have the New Testament uh, as well. And and there's this crazy stuff where Jesus always talks about the old has been fulfilled. He, he doesn't get rid of it. He said it's been fulfilled, which is hard for some people to kind of uh, understand. But at, at Pentecost, we we really get what that means. And so the idea in the Old Covenant was here are the rules. Follow the rules, and if you follow the rules, then you can be in right relationship with God. And you got the Ten Words from God or the Ten Commandments, and got all these other rules and so everybody's going around trying to keep the rules and get frustrated, you can't keep the rules and, it, and it's just, just too much for you. And, and what the Old Testament prophet said was, here are the rules, but one day, one day, these rules written on stone, I am going to write on your heart. Yeah, and you all say "Man," because you understand what that means because you're post-Pentecost. But if you're an Old Testament prophet, you're like, oh no you're not. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> what are that this? And so Pentecost is the fulfillment of that. But Pentecost is when the Spirit comes in and your relationship to God isn't based on the rules, but it's based on this relationship to the, to the Heavenly Father. There is this, this new thing that, that happens in your life. And, and so the, the difference is this, you know, when, when, you, when, you're, when you do it because of what's inside you, it's completely different. So I, I have two great kids. I, I love my kids. And and all of my life, when they were growing up, I poured my energy into them. I tried to do the best for them. I provided for them. Oh, man, our kids are expensive. We provided for them, you know. Do you know, though, there's a law that says I have to provide for my children? I never once thought of that law growing up. I just did it because God in me says you care for your children. And that's the difference between the old covenant and the new. Did I do what the old said? I absolutely did. Never thought about it because there was a new law in in my heart. And, And so there's this wonderful thing in which we do now out of our heart because of the Spirit in us. And then the second part of that, the difference between the two, is in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only spoke to the prophets and to the leaders. And in Pentecost, God is available to all of us. Mighty or low, strong or weak, important, unimportant, smart, not so smart, kind of seems to got it together, doesn't have it together at all. It does not matter. God is available to you. Every one of you should say amen to that because it doesn't matter what's in your past. It doesn't matter what the sins are. It doesn't matter how much you've sinned. You cannot sin so much or so bad that God can't take care of it. And if you think you can, you're pretty arrogant, you know. I mean, really, God, you... Um, that's the beauty of, of Pentecost, that God speaks to us directly. And sometimes I think about this in, in covenant languages in terms of marriage. Marriage is a covenant in the Christian church. We take vows between one another. It's much more than a, than a contract. There's a, a deep, abiding thing that happens in that. There's a supernatural thing. There's a, a, a spiritual thing going on in that. And, and, and we don't talk about, you know, the two are going to get along together. We talk about the two become one. Amen? Man, and I, I remember when, when I first got married, I thought I understood what that meant. Boy, was I dumb, you know? I'm telling you, there is something that happens when you you first get married. Some of you guys, you got married, you think you know what love is. So sorry, you know. We first, I thought I knew what love is, and and you're at that. Some of you are at that stage where you marry how long you've measured how long you've been married in months. Oh, it's our one month anniversary. Woo hoo! You know, it's our three month anniversary. Whoa, it's six months. You know, and it's a year. Oh, it's a year, and it's two years, and it's three years, and. And now I kind of measure our marriage in decades. We are well headed towards our fourth decade of marriage. We'll be 35 years in September. Woohoo is right. And we still love each other. You know what I've discovered? My understanding of oneness that started when we were young is very different than this understanding of oneness I have now. Both in terms of how much I love her, I just, I had no idea. I wasn't possible. And just how close we've become. Some days, when we're around the house and we're talking, I'm thinking, get out of my head. She knows me too well. And, uh, been married a long time to become one. And that's, that's what this is all about. That's what the Spirit is all about. About allowing the, the Spirit to, to take control, that you are forever changed, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, it is in union with the Spirit of the living God that we become spiritually Whole that we become complete. I I want you to be physically whole. I want you to to have all of the benefits of of good physicality. I want you to be mentally and emotionally whole, but you also need to be spiritually whole. And if you're really going to find satisfaction, you have to have that. In fact, I, I think that's why the disciples followed Jesus. The disciples followed Jesus around for three years. And I think it's because they knew there was a hunger in their heart for something they didn't have. In fact, they said to, said to Jesus, where else shall we go? You have the words of life. They understood that Jesus had something that, that, that they needed. And so they followed him and, and they got sidetracked from time to time. Wow, did they get sidetracked from time to time. They struggled. They had selfishness sometimes. They misunderstood. Fatigue caught up with them. Sometimes fear took over. Wait, who's that sound like? That sounds like us, doesn't it? And yet through all of that, they stuck with Jesus. And then the spirit of the living God inhabited them and changed them. And everything was different. Fear was gone from from hiding up in the upper room to street preacher. That is a long way. And I'm not talking about the stairs, folks. From, From hiding to literally out in the street with people you think can kill you. There was power evidence, supernatural power that happened in the, the speaking of, of the languages where a new language would come in and be a part of it and, and by the way, that's the miracle we continue to see today. I have, I have never heard about those other miracles in modern day, but I have talked to missionaries who said they had an encounter with someone and they began to share about Jesus with that person and they were surprised that that person spoke English and they actually led them to Christ and then they would come back later and discover that that person did not speak English and that person and thought they were speaking their language. Ooh. Weird stuff, but really good weird stuff. Amen. You know, and so so it is so important, and it is in this the spiritual gifts are revealed, and all of that stuff. Aren't you glad for Pentecost? You are a vessel for the living God. But then there's this other part of this that's important in Pentecost. And, and those of you that have the district superintendent on speed dial, don't dial it till I get done with the sermon, okay? Because I'm about to say something a little radical. And I, w- I want you to hold on through all this. And, and so here, here's what I want to say. The teaching and example of Jesus is not enough. The teaching and example of Jesus is not enough. Good teaching can lead to good things, but good teaching can also lead to legalism. In fact, Jesus' work on the cross and the resurrection are not enough. Jesus didn't say so. He he didn't say that 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 was enough. In fact, he told the disciples to wait. Why did he tell them to wait? Because there was something more. It, It wasn't complete yet. There was something more that had to happen. Teaching is good. Resurrection is good. It's all available, but he wasn't done yet. And so here's how I think about this. The life, teaching, death, and resurrection of Jesus is not enough. You and I still need fusion of our life with God's life. I'll read that last sentence. You and I still need fusion of our life with God's life. You ever wonder why they had to wait? I mean, this is just me. I get too much time to sit around and think about these things. But I always wonder why the disciples had, had to wait. But it seems like we can maybe eliminate some things. I mean, we can be pretty sure that it wasn't because God was disorganized and had misplaced the Holy Spirit. He's like, where did I put the Holy Spirit? Where did I put the God? You know, 40 days away, you know. We, we can be pretty sure that he wasn't delayed on I-5, you know. Up, he'll get here pretty quick, you know. I'm pretty sure that's, that's not the problem. So I don't think the waiting be, was because there was a problem on the Spirit's part or God's part. I, I think the waiting was because there was an issue with the disciples that needed to be resolved. And it said they were having a prayer meeting uh, I, I, I think that, that, that they were waiting because, because they needed something to go on in their lives. That, 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 that They needed to come to a place where they were open to the Spirit because they, they needed to come to a place where they were willing to let the Spirit take control of their lives because that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And the truth of the matter is we have been wired up in such a way that we are never meant to be alone and we need the Spirit in our hearts. We need the, the relationships this way, but we need this as well. You are custom built for creation and you have to come to a place where you are open to letting God come in. In the same way that you have to come to a place where you're open to spending the rest of your life with somebody. I mean, you think about that. That is a big commitment. Commitment. And I think for the disciples, it took them a while to to get to that place. And and, and so for them, I I think they struggled with it. They struggled with whether God would be first in their life or whether God would maybe be second in their life. And and I think they waited for that reason. But, But at the end of the day, they opened themselves up and amazing sorts of things happened. In fact, I believe that Pentecost is God's proclamation to the whole world that in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he has thrown open the doors to immediate and eternal union with God. Thanks be to God. He's thrown them open. It don't matter what you're like. It don't matter. It was people from all over the world. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what your culture is like. It doesn't matter what your skin color is like. It doesn't matter whether you have money or you don't have money. It doesn't matter whether you got to act together or you don't. Or you're the greatest sinner amongst us. What matters is the work of God. Somebody say amen. Okay, because some of you, well, none of us really deserve this, and so we should be thank you. And so, this Pentecost is the culmination of God's work. This is the whole new thing that He's done, and, and everywhere the disciples went, they asked people about uh, if they were already followers of Jesus. This was so important that they would go and say, and they would ask this question Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received? Well, we heard about Jesus, and we, yeah, we, we're on board with that. No, 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 that, that's great. Have you received the Holy Spirit? They, they never asked, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? That's the question I was taught to ask in seminary. What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? Because I'm going to check out whether or not you got it right or not. You know, they, they never asked, have you spoken tongues? They never asked, some of you Nazarenes will get this. Do you understand entire sanctification? Yeah, if you're not a Nazarene, you won't get that. But Oh, boy, oh, boy. They never they asked, have you received the gift of the Father? Have you received what God wants for you? You believe and then you receive. Sometimes I talk about it. You get God and then God gets you. Getting God was a pretty good deal. I was signed up for that immediately. God getting me was a little, a little tougher because we had to let him have control in our lives. You only become what Christ would have you in that moment. In fact, I would say, uh, you only truly become what God created you to be when God's in control, when God is number one. Yeah, they weren't waiting for God to get his act together, they were waiting for the disciples to have the change of heart. And, and I, w- I will tell you just from personal experience that it's sometimes a long journey. I, um, I became a follower of Jesus at the age of six. So I do not have a very interesting conversion story. I'll never be the preacher with the great conversion story from a huge life of sin to a, a life of following Jesus. I, I, I don't have that. In fact, the most meaningful spiritual experience in my life happened years later in my teenage years when God and I were wrestling over who would have control of my life. And we wrestled for a long time. Because I'm stubborn. I know that comes as a surprise to some of you, but I'm stubborn. (laughs) And God's always had to use a two-by-four. Scripture talks about God whispering to people. It never works like that with me. (laughs) And we fought, and we went back and forth. And I made God some really good offers. You know, you can have me three-quarters of the time. I'll only take one-quarter of the time. What do you think, God? Got a deal? And we struggled and we struggled and we struggled and I knew God was talking to me and there was a tug of war about who would be in charge and who would be number one. And some of you have heard this story before, but went to a district assembly where, where our denomination gathers. It was the closing night of district assembly and, and uh, one of the great, great theologians of our church was, was preaching and an outstanding preacher, but I heard not a word <laughs> because the Spirit of God was speaking to me. And the tug-of-war was going on right in the middle of that service. And we got to the end of that service. And the only thing I remember from that whole thing was his closing illustration. And he said, if you really want to let the Spirit in, if you can let the Spirit have control and make God first, you have to die to self. And he kind of like did stabbing himself that Christ might live in you. And man, that hit me between the eyes. And as we're sitting there, they started the music. They did altar calls back in those days. and, And the music is going. And as they started that up, I heard a voice behind me say, Accept what I have for you now and go forward or step back and step away from faith. And it was audible. I heard somebody. And so I turned to see who was bugging me. And there was nobody there. I was the first one to the altar. (laughs) In that moment, I said, Lord, not me but you. Wherever you take me, whatever you want to do with my life, I'll go to China and eat bugs. I don't even know if Chinese eat bugs, but (laughs) I'll go and I'll do and I'll be whatever you want me to be. There will be no other one that is first. You are first from this moment forward. In that moment, I had a classic experience. It doesn't work like this for everybody, but it felt like the spirit of the living God fell on me and just cleaned me from head to toe and made me new. And from that day forward, I have done my best to walk with the Lord. There's never been a debate as to who's going to be first. Now, I've messed up a lot. In fact, messing up is kind of my spiritual gift. But, but there's never been a struggle with who is first. And when you make God first, when he is in control, everything changes. Everything changes. And, and I'm, I want to encourage you. Have you received the Holy Spirit? And if you are right now grappling with this, I know many of you have opened your life to the Holy Spirit and you walk in the Spirit. You're not perfect, but you're walking in the Spirit. But this morning, if you're grappling with this, I know this, the devil is in your ear with some lies about what it's going to cost you to open to God. It, he'll take this away. Oh man, if you do start following God, he's going to take that away. And if you start following God, he's going to make you do this. And if you follow God, he's going to make you do that. And your life is going to be so miserable if you follow God. Those are lies. In fact, the name of the devil, one of the names of the devil is the father of lies. So here's what I do have to offer you. I don't have the great conversion story, but I have walked with the Lord in the Spirit since my teenage years. And I will tell you, it is the very good life. I'm not rich. I'm not famous. I'm not smart. I'm not good looking. Well, bald's beautiful. But other than that, I'm not good looking. But I have lived a very good life. And one of the things you know about having cancer is you kind of think about, what does this mean? And I, have, I, have, I, I know that I know that I know that I know this. If I don't see next Pentecost, and that's extremely unlikely, I will step into eternity having lived a very good life. And I'm here to tell you, God offers that to you this morning. He offers it to you in this very moment. Join me in this. When you put God first, there are some great things that happen in the midst of all of this. Excuse me, my nose is running this morning. Your life will get better in so many ways. Number one, your, uh, your marriage uh, will get better. Um, and, and this is such an Im- important thing. When you walk with God a long time, you begin to see God, God work in this. I guarantee you, if you put God first in your life, your marriage will get better. It doesn't seem like that. It doesn't seem like if you put God above your spouse, your marriage will get better, but it works that way, and here's the way it is. You guys always laugh at me at this. I've told you before, over and over again, that, that in the course of our marriage, like all marriages, sometimes we struggle. And being a good and godly man, I lift my wife to the Lord when we're struggling. Lord, This woman you gave me. (laughs) And you know what the Lord says? Yeah, 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 let's talk about you. Every single time. And you think I'm kidding, but I'm really not. I have literally had times in prayer where the Lord just kind of moved her off the plate and says, I want to talk about you and being a husband because you're not doing such a good job. In fact, I have stopped praying about my wife. I pray for my wife, but I don't pray about her because that always gets me in trouble. Don't you want a spouse? That God works in their life like that? Don't you want to be that kind uh, of spouse? And, and your parenting will get better because when you parent in the spirit, there are powerful things that happen. None of you ever got to meet my father, but my father, wild life before he became a follower of Jesus, but he still struggled with anger and, and, and he, he could be s- stubborn. Some say I got that from him, but he could be really, really stubborn sometimes. And I remember a pivotal moment in my relationship with my father in our teenage years. We were, we were like, <sighs> at each other and I was so angry and he was so angry with me finally he sent me to my room and and kind of calmed things down in the house and about an hour hour and a half later my dad came in knocked on the door can I come in no <laughs> please can I come in I, yeah okay come in he sat down on the bed and I remember he looked me in the eye. I don't even remember what the argument was about he looked me in the eye and he said son I owe you an apology I'm sorry I was wrong For my dad to say I was wrong, that's a bigger miracle than Pentecost. Okay, Because he was always wrong and I was always right. No, that's not enough. Forever changed my relationship because the spirit of the living God caused a father to go to his son and apologize. You'll be a better parent for this. Your family gets better when you do this. And in all of the relationships uh, amongst you. Your, your friendships will, will get better. Some of my friends have made the biggest investments in my life. Y- your work gets better because of your relationship. I, I spent uh, over 15 years in retail. That's like a death sentence, man. Because retail is like, well, nobody should have to spend that much time in retail. It was so hard, and I remember I wanted to quit so many times, and I wanted to tell my boss off so many times, and there were so many hard things, that I wanted to just do my bare minimum so that, so that I wouldn't have to do any more, and I was just so frustrated. And in those greatest frustrated moments, the Holy Spirit come to me with great comfort and say, work is unto the Lord. I'm like, no, 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 tell me I'm right. No, 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 work is unto, but that guy's a jerk. Yeah, I know, work is unto the Lord. And you know what happened? My career went like that, because while everybody else was complaining, I was working for the Lord, and that changed everything. The life of the Spirit is the very good life in so many ways. In fact, your, your life will get better because of following the Spirit. And so let me ask you this question personally. Um, have you received the Holy Spirit? And if our band would come, we're going uh, to pray in just a minute, and then we're going to worship the Lord in giving. But have you received the Holy Spirit? What's holding you back? What's the lie the devil's telling you that if you make God first, it won't work out very well? What's the thing you think, I can't go there, I don't want to give that up. Can I tell you? Just just open up your heart to God and let God guide you. He does miraculous sorts of things. There's things that you think, oh, I'll never, I can't get off that, I'll never be able to do that. My dad's story again. When my dad became a follower of Jesus, he was a raging alcoholic and he was smoking like so many cigarettes. It was, it was amazing he didn't die of cancer, right? He was like chain smoker kind of a thing. And he said, Lord, when I opened his life, he said, I'll never be able to get off this alcohol. The Lord delivered him from alcohol. Moment. And he made him learn to quit smoking the hard way. <laughs> They've got to have an interesting sense of humor. God will provide what you need to follow him. Amen. Amen. In a minute, we're going to worship the Lord in giving. If you're a guest, if you could put your connection card in, that would be so helpful. Those of you online, you can go to our webpage or the Facebook page there and find a way to give as well. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to pray for you, and I want to pray for all of you as well. And then we're going to sing, Father God. Lord, I've said it the best I know how to say it. And I so desperately want these, the people you've put in my care, to experience the life of you first. Uh, of you in their marriage, of you in, in and no, no matter what, that it's you first, that we just open ourselves up and that the spirit of the living God would pour yourself into us and that you would change us and make us into what you would have us to be, that you would change our marriages, that you would change our relationships at work, that you'd change the way we parent, that you'd change all of it, Father, to reflect you. Thank you for Pentecost. Thank you that you weren't done after Jesus taught, that you weren't done after he died and was rose, that that on Pentecost you would come and make us new, Father. And so, Lord, I pray right now for that one. They know they need to open their life to you. Maybe they're just beginning that journey. Maybe they're at the end of the journey, and this morning's the time, Father. Would you give them the courage and the strength to say yes to you? To open their heart and say, come in and take full and complete control. I'll do whatever you want me to do, whatever the cost. I will follow you, Father. And so, Father, I just pray that you would speak to them and pour your spirit out in them, Father. And bless these good people. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.